folks welcome back to another norwood noise podcast myself evan shovel of course as always joined with graham griffith uh we've got tuesday february 27th here for you big week of games big week of of headlines all across the sport we'll kind of get to all of it as we go through but graham i'll start with you um this is our last podcast of february uh march we, it will be march the next time we record um so obviously that is exciting um, nerve-wracking for some teams as we near some bubble conversation. Um, you know, a lot of seed line movement here late in the season. Uh, what, what are you most excited for this, this upcoming month? Yeah, um, it is crazy that, you know, February has flown by, and now that we're into March, um, things are about to get really tense and really real. Um, in terms of what to, you know, look forward to, it, it's really just, you know, how how our teams are gonna you know finish out? Um, everything's you know pushed up a week earlier this year. It it, um, it seems so. It will be exciting you know that we get to the real March Madness even quicker. But um, these next few weeks are gonna be pretty gut wrenching for our Musketeers and several other teams that are you know fighting for their seasons right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're gonna get into it. Uh, last Tuesday, so we recorded in the morning last Tuesday, and last Tuesday night was, I would say, one of my more favorite evenings of the season. Um, we started with, uh, really, the headliner game, Creighton, uh, playing host to UConn, and Creighton beat them from the start. Um, Steven Ashworth was on fire early. I think he hit one uh, from about 35 feet, you know, eight or so minutes into the game, and the place just absolutely blew it put them up 10, and they really never looked back after that. The Blue Jays looked really good, so a really good win for them. One of my more favorite games of the year to watch. I mean, Creighton, the, the arena there, Ch- uh, Chai Health Arena, was just on fire. Um, and usually it can be one of the quieter ones kind of in the Big East as a whole, but it really all the fans got into it. It looked great. The stripe out was awesome. The court storm was phenomenal. Um, one of the best we've seen all season, so just got to give props where props are due. Uh, good win for Creighton. A uh, huge resume builder, um, and we'll get into what happened on Sunday with Creighton. But overall, a, a really good midweek result and an awesome game. BYU getting a big win uh, at home versus Baylor. Baylor's kind of been up and down. They're they're an interesting team to watch right now. Um, I'm interested to see kind of where they go. Um, they've got Kansas coming into their new arena this weekend. Um, they took care of TCU last night on the road, which was a big, big win for them. Um but that's also coming off a loss over the weekend uh, at home against Houston in overtime, which was a phenomenal game. We'll get to that a little bit later. But Baylor, a little bit of an up and down, you know, part rough part of their season. But they've also been playing some really really good teams. So um, good win for BYU though to get that there last Tuesday at home. Utah State takes down San Diego State. 
Another great matchup again. Mountain West still continuing to deliver. Texas Tech ekes one out against TCU at home. Another great game there. Pop Isaacs leading the way for Texas Tech. He's one of my favorite, maybe most underrated players um, on that on that Texas Tech team. Um, and then uh, St. Mary's with the nightcap gets a good win over San Francisco at home. Um, San Francisco hung around that whole game, really. Uh, I did stay up to watch that one, and good to see St. Mary's get a win. Um and uh, and really kind of sell themselves and show that they are they are the cream of the crop when it comes to um, the the west the west coast conference this year. Um, so good win for St. Mary's there. And then on Wednesday, one of my favorite games uh, really of the season that I've seen was Penn State getting the ninety to eighty nine one point win over Illinois. So I talked a little bit to our, our good friend Jack Garvey, who's a, a you know a Penn State super fan, if you may. Um, so apparently they played this game in their uh, wrestling gym. And Big Ten Wrestling, for those that know, is just a, a huge, huge deal. Um, so they have a huge arena, and they played it in this alternate arena for, like, they, they hadn't played a game there since I think it was 2016 or 2017. Um, and it's something that, uh, you know, they've, they've started doing again. Um, and they, they, they said they're looking to play at least, like, one game a year there. I mean, it was awesome. Like, it, it was a whiteout. They, it sounded like the arena was – I mean, it was the loudest Penn State basketball game I've maybe ever seen. Um, so, awesome, awesome for them. Good win, 90-89. Um, just something to, you know, get the team excited, you know, kind of midway through a, a pretty miserable season for the Nate Lions. But, um, overall, a tough road loss for Illinois and just a really awesome atmosphere. So, it was a fun one to watch. George Mason with the upset just outside D.C., 71-67 over the Dayton Flyers. Dayton getting a little shaky here down the stretch. We'll see how they finish out their season. Um, Duke absolutely blitzed Miami on the road. Alabama gets a good win in overtime over a, a newly ranked Florida team. So I think Alabama's are a, a good contender, obviously, and then we'll get into what happened to them over the weekend. But, um, yeah, that was a really good win for them at home to, to sneak that one out. Um, and then LSU with the buzzer beater over Kentucky at the end of the night. That game was awesome. Um, what a finish there for LSU. I, I don't know if you saw the Angel Reese like storm the court with the team, which I thought was pretty awesome. Um, and then those same men's players showed up to her game. And then it was the next night or a couple nights later. So cool to see that. You know, athletes supporting athletes there. And, um, and yeah, good win for LSU. Um, and Kentucky, again, just cannot figure out what, what kind of team we're going to get from them this year come March. Um, and then New Mexico gets a huge, huge win at home, 68-66 over Colorado State. We'll get into, again, what they did over the weekend that wasn't so great, but that was a good win there midweek. And then Thursday, usually a quieter night for college hoops, but Thursday night I was locked into this Washington State-Arizona game, uh, 11 o'clock tip. Um, at Arizona, I was kind of expecting Arizona to pretty quickly pull away in this game, you know, being at home, seeing what they did to Colorado earlier in the season, too. Like, Colorado was a team that I rated pretty highly in the Pac-12 this season, and, and Arizona just blitzed them at home. So I kind of expected the same here. And very early on, I was kind of surprised. I was like, wow, Washington State's really hanging around in this game. Ended up getting the win, 77-74. So good win for, for Arizona, of course, and um, – or excuse me, for Washington State – getting the season sweep um, on Arizona and that definitely something to uh, you know to keep an eye on is how will that affect you know rankings obviously you know it gives um, it gives uh, Washington State a good shout at maybe that one seed in that Pac-12 tournament we'll just have to see how that kind of shakes out there um, but yeah from the from the week last week Graham what were what were the highlights for you what did you enjoy watching what did you get to see 
um, and things like that, and, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah. Um, first off, um, gotta give credit to Creighton. I thought that was an unbelievable game. Um, I remember last week that I don't know if we ended up talking about it on the pod, but I was talking to you about how great UConn is, and you know this UConn Marquette matchup that we just saw a little bit ago that we thought was going to be like this you know, juggernaut, Batman versus Bane game, and it was all UConn. The fact that Creighton was able to, you know, be that prolific and that dominant in that sort of game is unbelievable, um, and credit to them. Um, this BYU team, I really just, BYU and, and Kentucky, I'm going to lump, lump them in that, you know, at, at their highest of highs, they look like one of the better teams in the country that, you know, is poised for a run in the NCAA tournament. But then they turn around and drop these very confusing games. Um, you know, in the same week, BYU is starting to get their footing against. Um, they seem to, you know, handle Kansas State really well. You know, you beat UCF. Then you lose to Oklahoma State. You turn around and you beat Baylor. And then you lose to the same Kansas State team that you beat by 10 two weeks ago. Um, so it's a very confusing team. Um I think that's kind of just like how the um, Big 12 has gone this year, that since there's so many good teams, it's really hard to get a really good gander on, like, you know, who's the best of the best. Um, I mean, like, this Texas Tech team, you know, at one point, you know, we were saying, like, oh, they're so under the radar. Like, look how good they are. They dropped three games in a row, and um, they're – two and two in the last four games. Um, the Big 12 has really just been, like, an excellent example of, like, the gauntlet that it is because Oklahoma State and West Virginia you know, and UCF, the bottom feeders, have all gotten signature wins this year. And Houston's been the clear number one team. But then after that, you know, you have four teams that within striking distance of the title with a few weeks left to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even teams like – like Texas Tech teams, like Iowa State, kind of, you know, expected to be good preseason, but not not top six good, you know, and that's the kind of thing where it's just shows that year in and year out we're getting teams that are surprising in a positive manner um, for the Big Twelve, kind of overall. And I'll be interested to see if that if that maintains um, after losing Oklahoma and Texas this upcoming season. Um, obviously, they're not amazing this year. Oklahoma's solid. Texas is mediocre, but um, I'll be interested to see kind of if that still maintains that, that level of competition. Anything else you, you enjoyed last week? or you Into the weekend? Yeah, into the weekend. All right, let's roll. Um, so get, getting, getting with the Saturday uh, results, obviously Houston Baylor played an awesome overtime game. Jamal Shedd almost hit a buzzer beater to win it. And this is coming off. So uh, Baylor hits a layup. Uh, to go, what was it, to tie the game at, at 69 with um, like three or four seconds left. Uh, free throw is missed, which is just brutal. You have a chance to not put the game away, but but put the pressure on heavy on Houston um, and go up one at the end of regulation. Miss that free throw, and then you get into kind of a breakaway situation. Jamal Shedd somehow gets the ball and, and kind of breaks away with it and has and gets a really clean look at it and hits the three, but the ball just didn't get out of his hand quick enough. It was really, really close. 
Um, but since the game to overtime, and, and Houston pretty much rolled in overtime, winning 82-76, to 76, um, that's a backbreaker for Baylor. I think it'd be, it would have been huge for them to get kind of a big-time signature win like that. They were unable to do so, um, so tough loss for them there. But good win for Houston, and obviously uh, they move into number one in the polls this, this week in the AP. Um, Kansas State, like we mentioned earlier, they get a good win over, over a BYU team at home. Kansas State sneaky, maybe still hanging around the bubble. I can't really tell you. They almost lost to West Virginia last night, which surely would have, you know, knocked them off uh, or, or popped their bubble. Uh, but I guess Kansas State still hanging around. They got three tough games to go. To go though, they've got uh, at Cincinnati, um, at Kansas, and Iowa State at home are their are their final three. So that's a really tough stretch. I mean, it's that's it, gonna be it's a tall ask to to you know go get two of those. Um, and I think they'd probably need to get at least two wins um, to be even <clears throat> even in consideration for uh, for a tournament or for an at-large bid, unless they obviously go tear it up in the Big 12 tournament. Um, we'll finish with Duke-Wake Forest, um, but obviously Wake Forest gets a really good win um, over Duke at home to really kind of strengthen Wake Forest's um, tournament hopes and, and, and vying for that spot. Arizona rolls over Washington. Iowa State gets a good win at home, not not messing around with Washington or excuse me with West Virginia. Um, Illinois rolls over Iowa at home. South Carolina gets a good win at Ole Miss, um, kind of settling themselves after a weird little three game losing streak there. Um, UCF gets a a huge win over Texas Tech. That was one that I was kind of surprised by. Again, like you said, UCF. Probably not a tournament team this year. Will Johnny Dawkins keep his job? We don't know. Um, but a good win at home against a, a Texas Tech team that really did not need that road loss there. Um, so that's brutal. Kentucky, back to what we were just saying. So they lose on Wednesday, turn around and put 117 points on Alabama. I mean, what? Like, sure, I think we all could say, yeah, if Kentucky was able to harness the, the offense from this game and the defense from the Auburn game, like, yeah, they're the best team in the country. Um, but we're just not seeing that night in and night out. Now, I think it is worth noting. I mean, I don't know if you remember, Graham. I think, what was it, 2014, I think? They were an eight seed when they beat the number one uh, Wichita State team. And then ended up running all the way to the Final Four. You know? So, like, like they have the talent. Like, is like is that on the table? Maybe. Um, interesting to see kind of where Calipari's at with, with his situation there. Um, but this team has just been really, really up and down um, all season, and I just don't know that you know you're able to you're able to guarantee um, them being able to you know just kind of roll through SEC play like they've been able to. Obviously, Tennessee up to number four in the country. Tennessee looking like the the clear you know number one for them uh, coming out of the SEC and, and the team to beat in the tournament. So we'll see how they how they do um, continuing forward. But yeah, really really weird times for Kentucky, but good win for them over the weekend. North Carolina knocks off Virginia. Man, I <laughs> my Cavaliers man Tony Bennett, you're letting me down. The defense is so so good per usual. They cannot score the basketball. I mean, they had 16 points in the first half. And I watched, like, a good majority of the second half of that game. And it was just like, dude, like, you get these really good defenses. Like, that's going to be some of the worst basketball to watch, like, as a fan. Like, you get some of these phenomenal stops, 
And, like, you just – you can't score on the other end. Like, play great sound defense for 20, 25 seconds of a shot clock, and you go down the other end, and like, run a decent set and just miss jumper, miss layup, miss three, like, all of it. Like, can't get anything to fall. Like, man, I would lose my mind. Um, so, Virginia, I, I don't know. Like, you're high on them. They beat Florida State on the road. Like, okay, maybe, maybe they're really in this conversation – you lose at home to Pitt, like that was a bad one. You barely eke by Wake, and then you get destroyed at Virginia Tech last week. We kind of talked about all that. You have a week off to kind of re or not a week, but you got Monday to Saturday, kind of reset on that. Then you go, you got a home game against UNC. Good crowd, like looked like people were jacked up, and you just kind of lay an egg. Like you, you hung around, but you were never really in the game. Um, so yeah, I mean now you got to finish with home against Boston College. At Duke, home against Georgia, or excuse me, sorry, at Boston College, at Duke, home against Georgia Tech. You have to go two and one there, like no question. You you've got to win two of those games, um, and I obviously preferably the first and the third there. Um, losing to Duke, you know, on the road is whatever, but um, yeah, it really really interesting to see which way they're trending, um, and what we might expect of them come tournament time. I again have no idea on this Virginia team, so. Um, we will see what happens with them. Kansas gets a good one at home over Texas. Just absolutely rolls them. Um, no question. UNLV a huge victory um, for them at home against Colorado State. They're still hanging around in that, you know, in that conversation. Probably not that large team, but, like, could be a team that maybe gets hot in the Mountain West tournament. You never know. It is played on their home court. That is worth noting. So um, definitely keep an eye on that one. UConn uses the game day energy and rolls uh, Villanova. Tennessee gets a really good win over Texas A&M, just kind of putting them, you know, back in their place. Um, I mean, Texas A&M has just been a really big disappointment this season. San Diego State, no problem. Fresno State, uh, Arizona State. I mean, Washington State. What are you doing? You get you get a signature win over Arizona on on Thursday night, and then you turn around and lose at Arizona State. That's a really really tough, weird road trip for them because I'm sure they didn't go home. So, really weird road trip for them to to. Go Thursday, get a huge win, super emotional. Then you got that day in Tempe to kind of reset, uh, and then you're not able to get it done uh, against Arizona State, who's just been so bang average this year. Um, keep an eye on that job. I don't know if that'll open or not, but 500 is not going to cut it in the, in the you know in the Big 12 next year. So um, we'll see if Bobby Hurley sticks around to, to hang out in the Big 12 or not. And will that be two years now? So. Um, anywho, yeah, so that's kind of the low down there um, from the Saturday results. I actually do have to shout one more. Um, I believe it was Saturday. Uh, my, my, uh, my Lobos took a huge loss. Yes, Saturday. They lose at home to Air Force. Quad four explosion for the Lobos. <laughs> not good, man. You're like, you're not on the bubble before that. Like, you're pretty safely in the field. Now you're very much on the bubble. You cannot take that home loss to Air Force. So just would like to shout that one out. Um, my Lobos would like to apologize to, to Lobo Nation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Saturday, what would what, you enjoy? Talk, talk about Virginia real quick. That oh um, they have not cracked the fifty-point barrier in three games. It's so bad. Um, and I'm just gonna, you know, tell you this right now that I doubt that they don't score fifty points. Um, and they have a very favorable stretch with, you know, at Duke, which will be a tough one. 
Um, but Boston College and um, Georgia Tech both being bottom feeders um, right next to Miami in the ACC this year. Yikes on Miami. Right. How did they get to the Elite Eight? No, Final Four. How did they get to the Final Four? Live or die by the three. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I just think that, you know, this Virginia team is a near lock to end up as an eight or a nine seed and be the first game of the tournament. Oh, I like that call. They're, they're like eight, nine. It's Virginia. Who else we got? We got Virginia and like, give me Virginia. Uh, we got the nine number right South now. Carolina. No, but Mississippi State. Give me Virginia, Mississippi State on Thursday at like 1040 a.m. Yeah, I, you, I just can't wait <laughs> on for that. TNT with Iron Eagle. I just can't wait for that to be the first game because, you know, you're going to have the excitement of the tournament. And, you know, you're going to be so thrilled, like, okay, tournament's back, and then you got to watch Virginia basketball for 40 minutes. <laughs> Not only that, it's also, like, I hate that they do that. They always put, like, a 7-10 or an 8-9 as, like, the first game. And then it's, like... Your chances in a perfect bracket could very quickly be over. Like it's not like they gave you, a, you know, a one sixteen to like ease into it. Like mm-hmm. okay, like we're gonna get one on the board. Like it could very quickly be over. Yeah, but you could very well turn that, you know, that eight nine Virginia game off and get pleased to see a UC Irvine thirteen versus a Auburn four. Hey, yeah, <laughs> sneaky, always sneaky. Those anteaters, man, they they get you. So. Um, but, yeah, you know, just to quickly touch on something that um, I think that Illinois has been one of my favorite teams to kind of, you know, see, kind of get things going. I think that that, that um, Penn State game was, you know, kind of like a rare, rare game. Yeah, that, that was an environment thing. Yeah, like. it was definitely an environment thing. Um, but what a stretch to, you know, really establish them to see if they're going to be, you know, you know, a four or a three seed or they're really going to drop down with at Wisconsin and versus Purdue, and the two other games on the schedule being a Minnesota and Iowa team that have proven to be very solid um, teams in the Big Ten this year. Um, They have a really tough stretch, but I think that they are poised um, to really bolster their resume um, if they're able to get some of those big uh, marquee wins in the Big Ten because they're they're few and limited in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, and then, yeah, I forgot to mention, really, just kind of wrapping up the week, the only other result we're talking about is Sunday, Creighton, you know, coming off the high of just rolling the number one team in the country. You lose to St. John's in a whiteout, white suit magic from Rick Pitino. I mean, what? I, I was going to turn it over to you. Leave it at Louisville? Or, like, do you like the white suit thing? Like, what's your, what's your kind of thought on it? One, if you go white suit, you have to be a good team. I kind of agree with that, too. And then, two, if you're going to wear a white suit, don't wear a First Communion button-down in a linen suit. You're 80 million years old. I don't need to see all that. Yeah, that's That right. was just not a it, good it look. It was almost an MLB Fanatics uniform it, it was. Equipment manager, what are we doing over here? Yeah, I mean, I just didn't go for the linen suit. I mean, you can't be wearing, like, a damn near see-through thing when yeah. you're... Eight and eight and eight in the Big East, <laughs> like not good. You can't be pulling out all this stuff. Imagine Sean showing up in like a Running Man blue suit. Like that's a tough look. <laughs> a tough look. So, um, anyways, all right. So that kind of wraps up the results of the week. Um, looking ahead just a little bit, um, 
we got some. I think we got some good games tonight. Yeah, we got your Wildcats are, are going to be up in Dayton. Um, so that's a fun one. Maybe a little bonsai trip. Oh, okay, here we go. Let's go watch the 500 Wildcats against a really good Dayton team. Uh, Kentucky's got to go to Starkville. So, again, I mean, I, I again, do not know what to think about this team. Um, but we'll keep an eye on that. I, I'm interested to see what um, what Mississippi State does in this situation. Are they able to get a win? I mean, same record. Obviously, Kentucky a little bit better in this, in this spot. But... Yeah, Mississippi State's favorite at home, so we'll we'll see. That should be a good one. Uh, Houston plays host to Cincinnati, should have no issues there. Uh, Kansas plays host to BYU. Oh, that's a, the other thing worth noting. Uh, Kevin McCuller has been in one game, out the next, super weird, takes a week off, still can't play. Um, it sounds like Self does not know like if he's going to be playing. He's already not playing tonight. Um, it sounds like they don't really know what his status is really for the rest of the year. Um, he's got a bone bruise, which like sounds awful. Um, so yeah, we'll see on that. But a very thin team already losing an All-American candidate like that could be concerning for for the Jayhawks. So keep an eye on that one. Um, that's tonight. Tomorrow, um, nothing too crazy, I don't think. Of course, your Musketeers are on Fox Sports Two. Figure out the channel now. Um, Auburn, Tennessee should be good tomorrow. It should be a really good game. Um, see if Auburn can show up in a big spot there. Providence is going to Marquette. Um, Alabama's got to go to Ole Miss. You know, can they sneak one out? Arizona, Arizona State. You know, who knows? Can Arizona State keep riding high? A&M's playing with South Carolina. I actually think that's a really intriguing game. Uh, and then Seton Hall is going to Omaha for the Creighton game. So, um, yeah, a couple things to kind of keep your eye on over the you know the next few nights. Saturday is a decent day in college hoops. Not awesome. Obviously, Kansas going to Baylor is kind of the headliner there. Um, you also got that Gonzaga-St. Mary's late night. Um, and then after that, next week, Grant, we get to preview some one-bid league tournaments. I mean, how excited are you for that? It's going to be awesome. Next next week's pod is going to be an all-timer. I so. can't wait for the MEAC and the, <laughs> the SWAC. MEAC tournament. Uh, it's going to be good stuff. Okay. Wake Forest, Duke. We're going to address really briefly what happened. Obviously, um, Wake Forest wins over Duke. Filipowski gets injured amongst the court storming. From all accounts, and we'll see when – I don't know when they play next. Um, let's see. When's, when's Duke's next game here? They got Louisville. Yes. Louisville tomorrow. Louisville tomorrow. So, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Filipowski's bench because he's so hurt, you know, because they don't even need him in that game anyways. Um, no, legitimately, it sounds like he's okay. I think it would obviously we would have heard a lot more about it if he was seriously injured. Um, sounds like it was a rolled ankle situation. They said it was sprained. You know, who knows? Um, it, here's my thing, and I, I'll turn over you because you're on the court, obviously way more than I am. So please give me your position on it. I am not one to be anti-court storming. I actually think court storming is one of the coolest things in college basketball. I understand why people are upset, and I'm not here to put blame on Kyle Filipowski. That being said, you got to make a little bit of effort to get off the floor, I think. You know what's coming. You are seeing the people rushing on the floor. Give us a light jog. You know, if, if you give us a light jog there, you're probably to your bench before it comes in. Second part of that conversation. Wake Forest security, huge explosion. What happened? We don't have anyone guarding the bench with the little yellow rope that usually works fine. We don't have 
uh, anyone slowing, at least slowing down the students. I'm not asking security to stop them. I understand they're not going to be able to stop a mob. But at least slow them down. Like, let, let the clocks hit triple zero. You know, that was, a, that was a tough situation when there's still one second on the clock and there's already, like, three students at the free throw line. You know, that's a, that's a tough look. Also, I put a little bit of fault on John Shire, straight up. There was a timeout with, like, 1.8 left and your team's down four. Get your players off floor. Get your star players off floor. You know what's coming. You know, and, you, and we've seen Matt Painter do this multiple times this season. So I think there's a lot of conversations we have about it. People that are asking for students to be detained or expelled I think is utterly ridiculous. But there are obviously steps that I think can be made to make this a much safer situation. And we've seen that be done. I just think that this was finally the one situation where we had, you know, some sort of uh, an injury or an issue happened because of a court storming. So I'll turn over to you. You're on the floor more. You have a better perspective. Um, but, but what's your kind of thoughts on what happened and also everything that's been said, um, you know, since the, since the Philip Haskins incident? Yeah, I think it's first very good to establish the fact that court storming is illegal. Like the NCAA is against it. Universities are against it. Conferences have um, things in in place to hopefully deter schools from allowing it to happen um, via fines and sanctions. So with that being said, I don't think that any player has the obligation to try to avoid any fans. Like, Filipowski, he's on the court. He's playing the game. He should have the same rank as anyone else on the court to walk off at. He can sprint off the court. He can walk off the court. It is not his job to not get hurt by other outside people. Fair enough. Um, Like, they should avoid him. With that being said, as a coach, if you're John Shire or – you're on the uh, Wake Forest staff. I forget his name. Um, uh, Steve Forbes. Steve Forbes. Like, you you kind of have to anticipate, like, what what's about to happen. And I think that, you know, it's a good way of, you know, all right, just tuck everyone to the side of the court. Or, you know, everyone go the opposite end of the student section or something. And I think that the m- multiple schools that have that – you know, caution tape or the yellow rope that they sprint to the other side of the court and you get everyone, you know. Players, from, staff, you know, referees, yeah. everybody's on that side. Yeah, because I think that's also key to remember that a lot of these personalities and, you know, big, you know, Twitter following people that are saying all this anti-court storming stuff are forgetting what court storming's about. It's not about oh, let's disrespect Duke or let's try to hurt players or whoever, whatever team it is. It's about celebrating the fact that the team that shouldn't have won, won a game. Yeah. Well, some argue that too because Wake Forest was favored to win the game. Regardless. We're still beating a ring. It's a huge win for them. I mean, it's it's a season-defining game. You know, you get a big win that propels you into tournament conversation. You're Wake Forest that doesn't have a – Great basketball brand in the past couple of years versus Duke, one of the best brands. Like the the they brand. wanted to do it to celebrate themselves, not be like F Duke and let's try right. to hurt Filipowski. Yeah. Um so I think it's important to have something in place to get players off the court. And if you don't like if you don't have a good means to get people off the court safely, 
you need to do whatever you can to not let storming happen. Because right. regardless of, you know, the fans' goals or whatever, like, it's inevitable when you bring that many people onto that, you know, confined of a space with not a lot of ingress and egress of those people. Um, you're bound to have something happen, whether, you know, the game ball's stolen or a player gets hurt or the court gets damaged. Right. Like, something's bound to happen when you have that many people. And if you don't have a system in place to get people off the court safely, then you need to do whatever you need to do. Is that put fucking cages up, like, on the court? Or, right. you know, you build, kicking, build a moat around the, around the floor? Are like, you kicking people out early? Like, there has to be something. This idea of, like, oh, uh, we'll just put, like, five ushers and ho- hopefully, like, they'll stop it. And then let's, you know, find the university $500,000 The money, time. The money means nothing. Like, yeah. let's be honest. Like, the money... The universities have shown they're more than happy to pay the fine. Yeah. Um, so there, there needs to be something more firm in place because this idea of just, like, letting it keep happen and hope nothing happens... Right. Clearly um, isn't going to work. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, this case at Duke could be the first of many where people get injured. And um, it's not up for us to decide, like, Oh, Caitlin Clark or Filipowski, like, tried to get hurt. Like, do you think, like, they're, you know, all-American future pros are like, oh, I hope someone collides with my knee so I can go down and miss the next couple games. No. So, So, yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. All right, so moving on from that, um, Jay Billis, uh, some of what he said about the course for me, I didn't exactly agree with. But he did say something on a college game that I did wholeheartedly agree with. He was, they were discussing the idea of the NCAA tournament expanding to 96 teams. He called it, quote, profoundly stupid and said, quote, never underestimate the NCAA's capacity to do something stupid. Obviously, you and I are super, like, anti-expand the tournament. I love what he said there. I love that he's using his platform to kind of push that, especially with Jay Williams. Being out there saying, hey, if we can just expand, you know, the excitement a few more weeks, why wouldn't we do it? Um, I think there's a lot of reasons. And, Graham, I think you brought it up to me prior when we were talking about this prior, um, like, what the bubble would look like if we had a 96 team tournament. I don't know if you're able to find that tweet, um, but you were, t- you were talking to me earlier saying, like, teams like Cornell and teams like, uh, who was the other one, like, Toledo. Toledo, yes. Toledo. I mean, like, these are the teams that would be on the bubble right now. I don't really think that any of us want to see that. Um, So it is just worth noting that, like, I understand, yes, you expand the tournament, you give the better seeds, you know, more of a chance to win more games, and you give more, I guess, some people see it as more chances for Cinderella's. Let's just, let's be careful here. Like, this is one of the best things... You know, in sports, and it's known as that. Don't go expanding it just for the sake of expansion. So that's all I'm going to say with that, but I, I loved what Jay Bills had to say there. Graham, did you have anything else on that? Or No, no. Yeah. I, I just think that expanding the tournament, just, like, it kind of, it it ruins, like, the magic of the tournament, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I agree. Because um, how many automatic qualifiers are there, like? Uh, 30, yeah, it's going to be 34 next year, right? Yeah. You have 34 automatic qualifiers, 
and then that leaves about thirty-four. Like, I think it's like about half. Yeah, let me look at Thirty-four at-large bids. Like, it's so hard to make the tournament, especially with like with the rise of like you know metrics and being able to quantify what what makes a team good, and you know what gets them into the tournament. 30, 32 automatic qualifiers. Yeah, thirty-two and thirty-six. Yeah. Um, like it's so hard to make the tournament, and you know, there's the sanctity about it that once you get there, that you know, it it has like the feeling of like, oh, you're you work so hard to get here. You know, every team in America has had the fair chance to get here, except Chicago State, and um, you now have the opportunity to compete against the best of the best. And I think if you expand it. And you add nearly thirty teams, like it's going to be easier for the like those borderline teams to get into the tournament. And I still think like it's only gonna protect like a few mid major teams a year that like they maybe they go twenty and five and lose in their conference tournament that maybe they get to be blessed with the seventeen seed, right? And would have to play the one seed, even though. Originally, they'd probably have, like, an 11 or 12. Yeah. That's a good point. I think another thing, too, that I think we were talking a little bit about earlier, um, like, I think right now the number that we're at, like, 68, it makes it so that, like, every every um, what was it, every pedigree of college basketball program, like, has an appropriate goal, right? Like, for some schools, it's just like, oh, my God, if we make the tournament – that's like the best season we've ever had, or that's like the ultimate goal, or whatever. And I think that's awesome and incentive in itself. And the way it's at right now, like teams like you know, kind of solid Power Five teams, it's like all right, we gotta get to the second weekend, you know. And then those blue bloods and top contenders, like all right, we gotta get to the final four, and that's a good year, you know. Like I think right now it kind of breaks down to where everyone has like an appropriate and attainable goal. And if you expand the tournament so many more teams are getting into the tournament and it makes it more difficult to kind of find what that appropriate goal is, if you know what I mean. So I think that's another thing that, you know, you kind of got to highlight there with, with tournament expansion. So, um, anyway, all right. So that's kind of the big stuff there. We're going to do a quick bubble update. Um, and then we're going to get into Muskie Minute and get us out of here. So first and foremost, right now, quarterback bracket matrix, shout out my favorite, probably my favorite, uh, NCAA, basketball website out there your 11 seeds uh, let's go 10s and 11s and then kind of other teams with the bowl right now we've got texas uh new mexico has firmly planned themselves there as we mentioned earlier nevada virginia wake forest seton hall providence gonzaga texas a&m and then looking at other at-larges also in the conversation utah colorado butler uh, Ole Miss, Villanova, Drake, which they took a really bad loss over the weekend to UNI. Um, hate to see that for the Bulldogs. Uh, Pitt, Oregon, Cincinnati, Kansas State, St. John's, Syracuse. So, right now, Graham, if you had to pick, what would that be? Now that's 10. Let's forget the 10 seeds. Let's say the 10 seeds are in. Looking at just the 11s and the other at large, if you had to pick six right now, that are in the field, who are you taking? Um, first, you know, um, the automatic qualifiers, I think Youngstown State has had a really good season, the second back-to-back 21 season for the Penguins. I'd like to just chat that out real quick. Yep. Um, so I, I think that they, you know, clearly 
um, are in the field. Um, no other um, bias or commitment there no. at all. Yeah, they'll get, um, they'll get in as at large. Easy. Yep. I think, um, you know, selfishly, I really want to see Pittsburgh make the tournament. Um, I think that, you know. Big Jeff Capel guy over here. Yeah, I think that he does an amazing job. I just think that, you know, they had a hard start to the season. They haven't really been able to establish their footing. Um, they got guys that are just made for the tournament. I mean, Henson, you know, standing on, in front of the Cameron Crazies. So like, sick. That's, like, one of the coolest moments of the season. You, ne- you need to see, like, a guy like him in the tournament. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, otherwise, I think that um, the Big East is going to send five teams to the tournament this year. And I think that Seton Hall, Creighton, Marquette, and UConn are firmly in. And between Providence, Butler, Villanova, and St. John's, I think one of those teams is going to make it. Um, unless there's an automatic qualifier in the bubble conversation, like I just really don't think they've had that bad of a season. No, um, I think that you know, with the rise of you know the Big Twelve and trying to pay homage to some of these better you know mid-major schools like the Mountain West, um, you know, if you're just not great enough, you're gonna end up getting pushed down there a little bit, even if um, you know one win would. Pro- propel you further up um i think that you know this is definitely a year for indiana state um or princeton to make it regardless of what happens in um their conference tournament yeah you Um, think one of them gets in yeah okay and i could where are you at on gonzaga right now i think that they're in okay i i it would be very hard for me to see a world that gonzaga does not make the tournament the, the road win at kentucky was huge yes Absolutely massive for them. I cannot wait um, for that uh, St. Mary's Gonzaga game. Well, I was just gonna say, I just remembered. So, so this week is a huge week for Gonzaga. Yeah. So they've got Thursday. Yes. Yeah. 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 So they did what they needed to do. They Saturday they got their revenge at home against Santa Clara. Take care of business there. Now you've got at San Francisco at St. Mary's finish the season. Like that is awesome. Like give me all of those two games. I will like. I get off work about 11 o'clock on Thursday night. That's going to be perfect. Come home, get a nice to-go meal from work. You sit down, and you're just locking in on Zags, Dons. Like, they're back in the top 25. I didn't realize that. What? Um, they stuck back in the top 25 this week, which is kind of shocking, actually. Um, but, yeah, so you got a big one there um, on Thursday. And, and they, they're moving that game to the Chase Center, too, for San Francisco. Big brands. Mm. Hey yo, hey yo, Warriors! Boom. Uh, but yeah, so that'll be awesome. I think uh, I think that'll be a good a good finish to the to the season. I agree with you. I, I like a lot of what you're looking at here. Um, I think Wake Forest after that win is probably pretty comfortably in, but we'll have to see how they finish the season. Um, and then uh, looking at some of these other ones, kind of outside looking in right now. Gosh, I don't really know that I like any of these teams. Like, I just don't think the Pac-12 is doing much to help itself. Butler is is good. I agree with you. I think it's gonna be one of those teams. I would probably give my vote to Providence right now, but um, I think Villanova's out. I think St. John's is definitely out, um, especially with what we were talking about this earlier. But all their all the Madison Square Garden games for the Big tournament are home games for St. John's when it comes to the quadrant system. So that like that's tough. Like that's a really tall ask then to go get like because then your only quad one victories are UConn, Marquette, and Creighton. And, like, 
that's that's really difficult. And it's really easy to get a quad four loss or a quad three loss just because it's, you know, a home game. So mm-hmm. um, I agree with you. I think Pitt could be sneaky. Um, and then I think kind of these big 12 teams, Cincinnati or K-State will be in the conversation. Um, I, I don't know that either of them get in, but I definitely think they'll both be in the conversation. So just a little a – little, uh, a little bracket update uh, there for you, um, kind of keeping you, you know, keeping you, you know, up to date on, you know, I mean, we've got, uh, we've got auto bids being given out in a, in a little over a week, so, um, you know, start getting excited for that, and that's all coming up. Let's wrap up here, though, Graham, with the Musketeer Man. I'll turn it over to you. Um, you know, you're kind of the point man on this. Tough week for the Musketeers. You know, you take, take a really difficult loss. Um, you know, at home versus versus Providence last week, um, kind of a gut wrencher, um, and then you turn around and, and just get rolled out of the gym on Sunday uh, in Milwaukee against Marquette. Um, four in a row losses now. Um, you had the week off, didn't really take advantage of it. Again, really difficult loss to Providence. Now you got four left. You got home against DePaul at Georgetown at Butler, home against Marquette. What's the outlook for the remainder of the season? Yeah, um, we kept talking about, you know, breaking these games down that, you know, if you finish the season with this amount of wins, you know, you split Marquette, all all this crap. Um, Obviously, the regular season will have no effect on um, our tournament outlooks, I think. I think you can go 4-0, I think you can own 4. The goal is still the same once you get to Big East tournament of you – Need to win it. Yeah. I think that there is a future where if you go four and zero, and you win three games in the tournament, and you play a Marquette, a Creighton, a UConn, and you lose to them, maybe there's a chance because then you're at nineteen and fourteen with a a loss to UConn and neutral site. Like maybe you have a chance. It'd be twenty, it'd be 20 and fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe there's a chance there, but I, I just don't see it happening. I think that the goal um, now has to be protect your seed line. You're going to want a favorable um, line to hopefully avoid a UConn um, on your second game. And the goal has to be, you know, if you want to compete in the NCAA tournament, you have to win the Big East tournament. I think that the days of – Oh, if we win this game and this team loses this and we move up to this seed, we'll be on the bubble. I think those days are firmly over. Um, and the goal just has to be, you know, let's finish this season with momentum because it's going to be really hard to go into Madison Square Garden coming off multiple losses and try to expect yourself to win four games in four days. Um, but if you go in there with momentum, anything could happen once the ball's rolled out there. I was just going to say the same thing. I think these next two games have to be seen as – Chances to build momentum. You got home against a, a really awful DePaul team, and then you go on the road to Georgetown. Have to, have to, have to get those two wins before you even consider. Okay, what could happen at Butler? You know, what could happen at home against Marquette? Could we get some revenge there? That kind of thing. So you have to get some sort of energy going uh, first, though. Um, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the season turns out. Um, obviously, been a disappointing stretch here for the Musketeers, but really overall. Um, They've been they've been giving it a, a lot of effort here on the back end of the season. We'll have to see kind of how it wraps up. 
obviously the biggest term on the horizon. I will be there in Indy on, on that Wednesday. Um, so excited to, to see, you know, that road atmosphere. It's always a good one up there at Hinkle. Um, and yeah, let's uh, let's let's go get a couple wins. Let's go get let's go rattle off three in a row and then kind of reevaluate. Butler similarly has kind of pulled the plug on their season as well, so we'll have to see um, you know how that looks moving forward. But as always, thank you all for joining us so very much here February twenty seventh. It's a Tuesday. We'll get back at you again next week, probably about this time. Discuss everything that's happened in the past week. Do some previews on some some mid major tournaments, some single bid tournaments. And uh, we'll we'll continue from there, um, and seeing you know kind of what the rest of the season holds. But yeah, we'll see you all in March. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again very very soon. Cheers, have a great one.